I'm reading from Luke chapter 1, verses 39 through 45. In those days, Mary set out and went with haste to Judean town in the hill country, where she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the child leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit and exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why has this happened to me, that the mother of my Lord comes to me? For as soon as I heard the sound of your greeting, the child in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her by the Lord. The gospel of the Lord. Praise you, Lord Jesus Christ. Good morning. I feel very privileged to be here. So I'm going to give you a choice. Do you want to know Kevin's secrets or we talk about Christmas? <laughs> I want to give you both because I, I, I really can't because this is why he wants to make sure this is recorded. So I, um, your pastor is a control freak, so <clears throat> there's not very much really I can do. <laughs> Well, the, the, the secret of Kevin is really the same secret that we all have. And it's the secret that Christmas brings to us. So I'm going to share just a few quick thoughts today. Um, is how to look at Christmas. We're going to be looking, I want to suggest that today, to do a little things, maybe a slightly different. Um, I grew up in a tradition where you always cater to the feeling of your faith. Right? That we serve a God that's real. Amen? Come on now. Amen. That he walks with us every day. That you feel his presence in your life. You sense that your faith is not only just based on what you know, but it's based on what you experience. And that's very, very important to us. Um, but one of the challenges we have is that sometimes experience kind of takes over, and we sometimes lose some of the reasons why we believe what we believe and why we experience what we experience. So I'm going to basically, in a few minutes, look at Christmas from an in, uh, as an intellectual exercise first, okay? And now, if you look at it as an intellectual exercise, you'll have some difficulties, and we're going to navigate through that. And then I'm going to I'm also say the, that because of that, we're going to look at Jesus as a human being and then from there, I'm going to look at, we're going to end by looking at Christmas as potentially an exercise in a couple of different actions that we might want to do. And you'll see some of that play out here after I speak with this interview. So, you know, the $100 thing, you guys are aware of that or is that a secret? That's not a secret, right? Okay. We're going to hear some of that. So, one of the things about Christmas is that you heard it with all the singing. If you just didn't, um, how many of you guys were so blessed with that, with every one of those songs, that wonderful young lady who just captured that? You will find from an intellectual point of view, that's, there's a lot of things there that are clashing, right? Because the Christmas uh, story kind of highlights some of the things about Jesus that we have been proclaiming for almost uh, 2,000 years the fact is that we believe that um, Jesus is God in the fullest sense. 
You heard it. God with us. You know, when, when, when Mary spoke, when she was having Jesus' baby, they were both pregnant. You know, two pregnant women meet. Um, they're related. They're cousins. The other baby kind of heard the mother's voice and it leaped. You know, and that's, that's a lot of uh, an idea that Jesus is God in the fullest sense. But then we also talk on the other side of our mouth. We also say that Jesus is a human being in the fullest sense. He wasn't any different than any of us. That's a mouthful as well. And so during the history of our church as a Christian movement, we've always struggled between these two polar opposites, that Jesus is truly a human being, and then on this side... Jesus as this incredible eternal God who is omnipotent, omniscient. And so in our history as a church, we've either overemphasized him on this side as just purely a man. That's all he was. Very special man. A prophet. An incredible teacher. You've heard that before, haven't you? Or over here, God in every sense of the word ineffable, knows everything, has the power, no limits. And so the church has either overemphasized this side or overemphasized the other side. And so we have always navigated this middle ground, and that's what we call orthodoxy, the right way of looking at things, that God is both, Jesus is both God in the fullest sense and that he's also human. And if it wasn't for Christmas, we wouldn't be having this problem, right? We'd all be Jewish. It's because of something happened. A child was born. Um, one of the most interesting things about that my experience as a, as, a, as a student and as a pastor was I got a chance to study in Israel for six months. And um, we were at an institute somewhere in Jerusalem and we were always well-connected with the Jewish community there. And so when I was there, I was a lot older. I was a graduate student. But that place is actually most of the students in that school are college students. Some of them, actually most of them are from California, from a place called the Master's College. It's right around uh, Valencia. Some of you may have heard of it. And so these students are all on fire for Jesus. They go up there because they want to go to school there. And I don't know why the people in, uh, in that school would always invite this Jewish guy every Sunday. He would come by and visit with us, and he would just engage these students in a healthy debate about Judaism and Christianity. And I, I, I used to watch them, you know, as a, as a person watching and listening to all this, get these students in a tizzy. Because he would get them to admit both things. And then he would get them to try to explain to them how that's logical. And it's the same challenge we face today. That, that many people who would look at us and will say, well, you know, you're no different than those Muslims and those Hindus and those um, uh, religious people because you have no reason to your faith. It doesn't make any sense. And he would get them to admit, do you really believe that Jesus is God? Unlimited. Yes. But you also believe that he's a human being, right? That he limited, he grew up, he was born, he was vulnerable. 
uh, yeah, come on. Really? Which is it? How can Jesus be both doesn't know one thing and know the other? Remember when you discipline your kids, you won't even buy an excuse like that, would you? When you do something wrong and you try to explain and you go, really, that doesn't make any sense. And so it's an intellectual exercise in a sense. And that's why I want to move to the next thing. We should look at Christmas. And I'm going to start with him saying this. When we look at Christmas, we're celebrating the humanity of Jesus Christ. And I want to start there. And here's why. I just realized that why do we sing and celebrate, you know, all these songs about him being born a manger, being born of God, being, uh, when Jesus was born, what happened? There was an angel involved, and then there was a prophet, and then there was shepherds, and then there was three kings, right? Why do we tell these stories? You can answer me back if you want. I, I, like, I like interaction. Why do we tell these stories? Because I've heard friends who are not Christians from other religions say, you know, we have the same stories. We venerate the people that we consider incredible in our religion, and we always give them these stories about how incredible they were when they were born. So there are even Christians whom I love dearly, who will believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins, and that we believe that in order for us to be saved, we need to accept Him in our lives as our personal Savior. But they are so stinking smart that they will never accept the truth of the virgin birth. They look at Christmas as just like any other religion. You know, we had an incredible guy who was born. And because he was so incredible, we deified his birth. And we buy into that sometimes unconsciously because we, when you are asked, why is Christmas so important? Well, because God was born. And so I want to just tweak that a little and say, no, in Christmas we celebrate that a human was born. Why is that incredible? I want us to see this, that we're looking at Christmas as the celebration of the humanity of Jesus because God did what was creatively impossible. It was creatively impossible. He did it. It doesn't make any sense, but he did something at Christmas that is not logical that does not make any sense and really shouldn't be accepted as true. But it is. And that's why I think these angel proclamations, the, the kings that came to kneel at this baby's feet, was not adoring the baby that it was divine. It was adoring the fact that this baby was an incredible creative act that is impossible. But it's now real. You can, In fact, the entire Christian faith really, because I had a chance to talk to that same Jewish person. Because at the end of the day, those students, when we would have dinner after the day, they would like, I can't believe that guy. He's driving me crazy. Because and he would laugh. He would laugh at us. Because he would say, you guys don't really make any sense. Why did you just admit that your, 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 your faith is irrational and has no intellectual basis? Now, I'm going to just give you a sliver of my conversation with this guy because when I talked to him, I basically admitted everything. And he, I, that kind of disarmed him. And I said, yeah, you're right. I don't make any sense. But let me tell you why. See, there was this guy that was born 2,000 years ago. 
And if it wasn't for that guy, I'd agree with you. The early Christian church, the first hundred years of the, the, the history of the church, there was no debate in the church about Jesus, about him being both God and him being both man. There was no debate. You know why? And you know when the debate happened? 200, 300 years after, when those witnesses of Jesus' life were all dead. And all we had were the scriptures and they were reading. And this was with all the big debates. In the first century of the Christian church, there was no debating who Jesus was. You know why? Because there were plenty of witnesses who lived with him. Who, who hung around with him and said, gosh, there's something about this guy. Now let me give even further because I, I got into a conversation about another Christian guy who believed, who agreed with everything. Except we had this big argument when I asked him, okay, because we're in the modern world. We have a lot of DNA stuff now. Why would you try Ancestry.com? Huh? Will you get your DNA? So I asked this question, and this intrigued me. If Jesus took a DNA test, this is important because now we are in a modern world. They didn't have this kind of discussion before. We can now. Whose DNA do you think would show up? Yeah, Mary. Okay, we know Mary because Mary was... See, the mom, we could, we, we could see that. What about the dad? Huh? Now, we cannot say he doesn't have a DNA of a dad, a human being, because he wouldn't be completely human then, wouldn't it? You see the bind we're caught. So whose DNA do you think it's going to be? Can you guess? Did you say God? Does God have a DNA? So I thought about this, and then I looked at where we should look in the Word of God. I, when you go home, I want you to look at, uh, not Genesis, Matthew chapter 1 and Luke chapter 3. There are genealogies there, right? If you will look at those genealogies, Whose genealogical line does he end up with? David's line, of course. So he had to be descended to Jesus. Yeah, so he will have a DNA. But who, who, who came down to it? Who was the last person that DNA chain on that genealogical line? His father was Joseph. You'll have the same one in Luke chapter 3, except it's working backwards. It's working from Joseph, his father, all the way back to Adam, who was God's son. So it all traces back. So I had this argument. Now, this is my opinion, and you can disagree with me on this, but I, 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 it kind of liberated me because I looked at this as that if Jesus took a, a DNA test, he would not be any different from us. I know his DNA would be Mary's. And here's where I had a big, long argument, and it's still going on on LinkedIn with my friend. I told him he will be Joseph's son. Because that's what the scripture said. His line was from the line of David, which was Joseph. And in Luke chapter 3, it says, his father was Joseph, as everybody thought. 
And we're going back now to Jesus being celebrating his humanity. The reason why the angels were singing and all these wonderful things was that Joseph had a son. But really, in the real secret of that is that he really wasn't. But everything about Jesus as a human being, not any different than us, was that he had a father and a mother. Fast forward to Luke chapter, uh, chapter 2, verse 52, where it says, Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. That's in one small verse. But what that tells you is that this little baby was born with two parents. They taught that baby right from wrong. They taught that baby to share. They taught that baby about Jesus, about God, about Moses. And this baby began to grow and increase in wisdom. This is what differentiates us. Because the Bible refuses to look at heroes and even people like Jesus and give them this weird origin like Hercules, who was half God, half human. That's not him. And that Jesus was born just like every single one of us. And that's the garnitude. How can I explain that? I don't know. You got me there. But he was Joseph's son. So here's what I'm closing with. What are we going to focus in on now, knowing these, these incredible things? Here's one. I think we should look and try to start accepting that when Joseph and Mary had a baby boy, and he was named Jesus... God, when he did that incredible act, that that baby that was born, because this is, this is the reason why the mystery was. Joseph knew that he didn't do anything with Mary. He was married, he was married to Mary already. Technically, this is why Mary was never accused of adultery when Jesus was born. Because everybody thought, whose child it was it? Joseph's. And Joseph could have circumvented that because he knew he hadn't had any connection with Mary. Even though legally, if Mary got pregnant, everybody was like, yes, a grandson. Thank you, Joseph. And Joseph was thinking, oh, what am I going to do? That's not my baby. But God did, what did God say? No, Joseph, do not hesitate to take Mary as your wife. Because the child that's born... Mary isn't lying to you. Could you imagine, just, just stick with me if this was today, and you had a child. He's engaged to, you, to, to a nice young boy, and you find out she's pregnant. And the boy says, it's not mine. What do you think? Come on, now be honest. Somebody's lying. But here's what I'm going to tell you. God did not circumvent Jesus' conception and birth was a moral act. Because I heard somebody told me, this was the one that got his girlfriend pregnant. God did it. Why are you condemning me for? God got somebody pregnant. It wasn't really Joseph's child. It was God's child. And you have this in every mythological story you tell. You know how Hercules got his mom because a god had raped her? Well, some of these heroes, Perseus, the guy with the gorgon's head, Zeus, this great god, pretended to be the husband and impregnated the wife and got, a baby was born. 
this is not the kind of story we're talking about here. God didn't do anything of that sort. God did not circumvent any human process except one, that that baby was born. So I want us to accept this in closing for me, that when we look at Jesus, God didn't break any kind of rule that, you know, it's okay to have premarital stuff as long as it's God that's doing it, but it's not okay for us. No, God didn't do that. That baby was Joseph's son. If you took a paternity test, it would be Joseph's child. So here's my closing, and this is the faith part. It is our part then to exercise our faith. That when Mary and Joseph are saying, trust me, this firstborn is not really my child. It's God's. We have to believe that. That's where our faith rests. That when that baby was born, Every single thing that we can say, and you can, and this is how you face a modern world with our faith. When we say, yes, he's human. Yes, he was Joseph's son. That's why he's descended from the David's line. It made sense. He is Joseph's son. But in reality, he was born of God. And that's our faith. And why is that important? Because you're going to hear a testimony today about how that plays out in your daily life. How your faith in someone who came, who is one of us, who knows what it's like to suffer, who knows what it's like to see needs, and who knows what it's like if they were given $100 to spend it. Jesus knows that because he was, and he is, one of us. He knows us. He knows who we are. So when we sing those Christmas carols, when we say Emmanuel, God with us, let us remember that it's also part of the commissioning for us that somebody had lived a human life and who also is still with us because he lived and died for us. And now we can live his life in a similar way by opening ourselves to others, by opening ourselves to God and become his light in this world. Thank you for letting me share. Amen. So last Sunday, um, Pastor Kevin gave out the last of the Advent uh, $100 bills, and Jen Levine was brave enough and crazy enough to take it. So my job now is to uh, interview Levine I call her Levine, sorry. Come on up. Come on down. The question I always had was, if you're Joseph, do you spank Jesus when he's little? And I'm like, oh, man, this is God's. Sorry, big guy, but your boy's been bad. All right. So, Levine. Check. Mic check. Mic check. I told her I was nervous this morning. This is Kevin's. <laughs> this is Kevin's job to interview. All right. So talk to us. What happened this week? Okay. So I got the hundred dollars yep. last Sunday, and I was nervous about it because I had nobody in mind, and I would say, "Oh, just my luck. I'll get this money and not encounter one person all <laughs> week that I feel like needs it." 
But so I was prayerful over it, and um, lo and behold, Monday night on my way to Sprouts, this woman approaches me very, you know, um, you know, calmly and is like, do you have any money to spare? And my first reaction was my normal reaction, which is, I don't have any time to spare. <laughs> and I'll be honest too, I was like, you know, I don't know, you kind of want a good story when you get up here, right? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> so I'm kind of assessing the situation. I'm like, the normal Jen would have just been like, yeah, on my way out, you know, let me talk to you then. But I said, no, let me take some time with her. Yeah. So I just started to ask her about herself. Yeah. Which I think really took her off guard. And me too. I, I don't usually engage in long conversations because you know how it is. I just want to do me and hurry do what up you and gotta take, do. Do what I gotta do and yeah. keep it moving. But I had a job, you know, yeah. the, the getting the money inspired me to think on this all, all yeah. week and consider it an important task that was commissioned to me yeah. from the church. So so I took some time to start to ask Arlene about herself and um, So you got a name. I got a name. Yeah. Arlene. Yeah. And Arlene is from ooh, I forgot where she said she was from. But I asked her, you know, what how did you end up in LA? Yeah. And as we started to talk to each other, it, I just felt like I related to her a lot. She had been in L.A. eight years, and anyone that knows me, I'm from Maryland, the East Coast. I, Getting to the point where I've been here about a decade, and I, yeah. I too, am, like, considering switching things up, and it's a constant, like, should I stay, should I go? And she was just ready to go. She's just like, I just want to get out of here. Mm -hmm. And the other thing that I noticed about her that we had in common, which was really funny, was, so this was at Sprouts on Venice Boulevard, and this car goes by, you know, kind of loud, with a loud engine. And she stops the conversation and she goes, I can't stand that noise. And I was like, oh my gosh, I totally know what you mean. <laughs> Noises get on my nerves too. Like, I get it. Like, it really triggered her. But so, I'm just going to use my phone because I did write some notes. Um, but as we got to talking, you know, I discovered that she was just over it, her, her, living situation wasn't healthy, you know, she lives with someone that's uh, addicted to drugs, and as she's trying to care for him, it's just not healthy for her, it's causing yeah. more issues. Um, she wants to live a simple life in a simple, quiet town down south in Alabama, like she had it all planned out, and Again, I related to her. I, too, yearn for a smaller city with yeah. a more homey vibe. So I was just encouraging her, and I kept trying to tell her. I was like, okay, now, now is where I yeah. present her with her $100. And I kept trying to get it out, but she was continuing to talk. Like, she had to get things off her chest. Yeah. So we just kept talking. And she disclosed that she, you know, I, I, I was able to tell her God loves her and that, you know, I, I have hope for you this season. Yeah. And so we started talking about how she feels like God is mad at her because all she does is complain. And one of my biggest things with God is God is not mad at you. Like, get that out of your thinking Good. now. Good. And I recently read a book, and the number one takeaway from this book I read was 
near-death experience book called uh, Proof of Heaven. And in the book, when this man had a near-death experience, he said the first thing that the angel said to him when he was in this heavenly place was, you did nothing wrong. You can do nothing wrong. I just thought that was really interesting mm -hmm. because she also started to talk about shame and how she just feels yeah. ashamed and um, all this stuff that can really eat you up mentally. So I was able to encourage her and hug her and give her a shoulder to cry on because yeah. there were tears. And the more we talked to, I found out she was a Christian and she mentioned how she used to go to church all the time and when she was in church, she would feel so much joy. Yeah. So um, that was what we talked about. And eventually you, you gave her... Eventually I gave yeah. her money yeah. because I thought, okay, she wants to go to Alabama and I encouraged her to follow your path, follow yeah. your heart. I think that's a great idea and hopefully this can help you. But again, she didn't like, woohoo. You know, it was like what seemed important in this yeah. encounter was being present for another individual. Yeah. I don't know. Right. I don't know if she's gotten the chance to cry yeah. to anybody, or I don't know the last time she got a hug from somebody. Yeah. And she even, I told you this morning, I went back to Sprouts because we yeah. arranged to go take her to church because she wanted to come. She was like, can you pick me up on Sunday? Yeah. I'm like, sure. She wasn't there, unfortunately, but we can pray for her, yeah. and Arlene. Um, so you learned a lot about her. What did you learn about yourself? Good question, Pastor Linda. See? See? <laughs> You're great at this. Yeah. Um, I'm not I quitting learned. my day job, so I'm not doing this. <laughs> <laughs> um, I learned that, uh, number one, a lot of people need help. Yeah. It didn't take me long to get rid of this money. Literally, yeah. it was the next day, and I was nervous about it. Yeah. Um, so... And two, I learned that I think what people want more than money is time and to feel connected to another person. Yeah, yeah. and yeah. I think too, Pastor, what made Jesus, when you were talking about human, God, which one, um, his human side was so that we could feel re related to yeah. him. Yeah. You know, and that, that it was I learned that if I just stop for a moment yeah. and try to get to know somebody as awkward as that can be, I'm not the best like yeah. prior of information. It's hard for me, especially in vulnerable situations yeah. with a homeless person or maybe mentally right. ill. Um, but yeah, people just kind of, time and understanding and maybe a hug yeah. goes even further. I think the key word that you said was commissioned, that at that moment, because I think we've all been there. We're pressed for time. We have, you know, we've got to get dinner on the table or we're moving and, um, but something urged you or besides the fact that you had a, a job to do, a task on hand, but you know, there was a sense of commission. And I know we spoke earlier on the phone and that was something that almost the first thing that came out of your mouth. I felt like I had a commission here. Yeah. So what, what, what does that mean? How, how, does that, how did that change you? Um, just like open my eyes up to all the need that yeah. is right around the corner, right outside. And I'm not yeah. claiming I'm going to be Mother Teresa now. Oh, no. no, no. <laughs> God yeah. bless her, by the way. Yeah. 
Um, but there is, um, I feel like we are commissioned. Yeah. And it's hard to go there with all the demands of life yeah. and just taking care of ourselves in the process. Yeah. I feel like I need a lot of help. So, yeah. so it's sometimes hard to extend my help. Yeah. I don't How, always need help. What would you tell us? Um, you know, we don't all have, you know, money to give or extra cash on hand sometimes. How would you encourage us to, to go from this place, to learn from, like, what your experience in the last three weeks as well? Yeah. Um, just that uh, people are lonely and battling false and negative thoughts. They're just subscribing to things that are not true and I think the message of hope which has yeah. stayed with me since the first day we lit this candle yeah. like being messengers of hope it yeah. really goes a long way yeah all right yeah so I hope Darlene Arlene is on her way to Alabama right now yeah we'll we pray, for pray for her thank you Jen thank you and uh,